0: Hi, Tony Hines here, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. This is the News Roundup, all things impacting global supply chains this week. Chain Reaction Well, you might be aware of the last mile delivery. On a street near you, we all see those electric bikes going round with Uber Eats and Deliveroo and Just Eat and they whip past and they're quite dangerous sometimes. They're on narrow roads, they jump on pavements, they're off the pavement onto the road, they're going against red lights through traffic lights, they just ignore them and of course it's a serious issue and in the United Kingdom the food delivery firms, Uber Eats, Deliveroo, Just Eat are are subjected to stricter controls and this is not just about road use, this is about employment. It's about account sharing by the bike riders. And the concern is over illegal and underage workers. So it's about modern slavery, in effect. And apparently at the moment, it's not illegal for these people who have the account with Uber Eats or Deliveroo or Just Eat to actually swap their accounts around to get a pal or somebody they didn't know to step in and take a shift. And this is really the gig economy at work. But is it the gig economy? It makes it sound attractive. It's more akin to modern slavery. But of course, if people didn't buy those fast food items for home delivery, then it would soon stop. Whatever happened to the days when we used to just go and pick up our own food? Bit old, isn't it? Everything's convenient. But there are downsides to it. I think they're dangerous too. These bikes, these electric bikes can go at really high speeds. And if you're a pedestrian, you can come off worse. Because they whip past. Stellantis is offering buyouts to about half of its employees in the US. The buyouts would take about half of the company's salaried US employees, not represented by a union, and that's currently around 12,700 people. Another 2,500 salaried workers are unionised and are not being offered the current buyout. As the company transitions to electric vehicles and are trying to agree to a new United Auto Workers contract, They think they're overstaffed. So salaried employees to get this deal have to have at least five years of experience for the voluntary departure package. And employees agreeing to take the incentive have to go before the end of the year. So, the end of December. Stellantis said it's taking this necessary structural action to protect operations and the company. citing the preparation for the transition to EVs. In all its offering... This voluntary exit package to about 33,500 US employees. That's about 31,000 US hourly workers and about 2,500 salaried workers. And it's also offering employees in Canada voluntary buyouts. This is an efficiency drive. They want to be more efficient. And I think the way to do that is to shed labour. In October 2022, Stellantis offered voluntary buyouts to its US salaried employees who were aged 55 or older and had worked for the company for more than 10 years. Under the UAW contract, the company agreed to offer 50,000 US dollar buyouts for veteran production and skilled trade members. It will offer buyouts in 24 and 26. So it's seeking to offset a significant financial hit from the strikes it's had in North America. So it's been very costly to have these strikes. And the chief financial officer. Natalie Knight said that the six-week strikes were unexpectedly long and would cost the group, in the full year 2023, less than €750 million, about $800 million in terms of profitability and around €3 billion in terms of revenue. So, quite damaging. Bit of an understatement, I would guess, trying to make light of it. Rumours abound that the Chinese are about to lift the freeze on the MAX 737. So that would be good news for Boeing, because it would mean that they would be competing again in the Chinese market. Home Depot sales were better than expected in the third quarter, bolstered by customer spending on plumbing and hardware. Now all those jobs being done at home... Repairing stuff and small projects, your pet project, whatever it was. So you're all spending more money getting those jobs done. And it sent its shares up by about 7% on Tuesday this week. Americans have been putting big renovation jobs in, discretionary home improvement projects on the back burner after months of elevated inflation and interest rates. And that hurt sales of items like flooring, countertops, cabinets. As the home improvement retailer driving big-ticket purchases or transactions over $1,000 down 5.2% in the quarter. But the strong performance in categories like building materials, plumbing and hardware, probably the essential jobs that you need to do around the house, well, those products have increased in demand, and portable power tools and so on, all helped to prop up spending. Sarah Henry, the managing director and portfolio manager at Logan Capital Management, said the sales were a sigh of relief, and Home Depot shares responded. So it's likely to return to growth sometime soon. Its sales forecast for the year has fallen by 3-4%, compared with its prior forecast of 2-5%. So it's looking 3-4%. to And customers' average prices, excluding the impact from lower lumber and copper prices, grew in the quarter. According to Billy Bastek, he's Home Depot's Executive Vice President of Merchandising. He says transactions were down 2.4%. Some big ticket items like roofing and insulation typically for the professional customer and professional builder contractors were strong. Company shares have underperformed the S&P 500 index this year with a 9% decline. But it looks like the corner is about to be turned. So that's good news. The annual profits are likely to fall. From nine to 11 percent, compared with 7 to 13 percent previously estimated. So a stronger performance.. News from post Office this week is that uh, customers will be given the option to send packages using DPD and every. If you buy parcel post in branches, for the first time in a 360-year history, customers will be able to choose other parcel carriers over the counter in branches. And this new service begins in selected branches ahead of Christmas. So, the Royal Mail Monopoly, whatever happened to that. And in the past few years, of course, the post office said that they uh, would keep the parcel force delivery as a priority because it was a profitable part of the business. And that took precedence over all other aspects of what post office services were available. So, obviously, the difficulties with strikes and... Staff shortages have led them to rethink that strategy. And now they're opening up their services to other carriers. Is that better for customers? Well, remains to be seen. You could argue it gives customer choice, but what's the price going to be? Is it the end of parcel forces dominance in that market? Or was that over a long time ago? That's the question, isn't it? US President Joe Biden met with Xi Jinping from China this week. And it's the first time in a year that they've met for talks. There's been a great deal of friction between the United States and China over military conflicts, drug trafficking, artificial intelligence, and of course, the tensions in the South China Sea. Expectations for outcomes from the meeting are set low. But it's good that the two superpowers are at least talking to each other at this point in time. And they're likely to discuss... A number of things, but particularly Taiwan, the South China Sea, the Israel-Hamas war, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, North Korea and human rights are probably all on the agenda, but it's unlikely that major agreement will be reached. But we'll have to wait and see. We don't want to predict these things. Hopefully they'll have some meaningful conversation, and at least they are talking to each other, which can only be a good thing. UK inflation came in at 4.6% this week and that's a welcome fall from recent levels of inflation reported and it keeps the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's target for halving inflation by the end of the year on target. So the fall in inflation is good news. Will it last? Well we have to wait and see. The UK government's plans to send people to Rwanda are now in tatters after the Supreme Court ruled that they're illegal, so they won't be able to put migrants coming from Calais on a plane to Rwanda and moved onward from there. The major reason, of course, why the court ruled against it is the fact they're concerned that migrants could be sent back from where they came. And if they've left those countries, they had good reason to do so, so it might put them in harm's way if they're actually returned to the countries they've escaped from. It's probably a sensible ruling, and, well, there needs to be a proper policy about the problems of people migrating dangerously across borders. Of course, the thing that fuels it all is that there are criminal gangs making lots of money from moving people around illegally, and they're putting them at great risk Well, when supply chains hit problems, they're often visible. We might see empty shelves, or we might just not be able to get the products that we want from the places we normally get them. And that means there's some kind of problem in the supply chain. Well, what you might have noticed in the past few months is that the United Kingdom has been hit by problems with supplies of medicines. And we're going to take a look at that in a bit more detail, and why it's happening. So, there was an article this week in the British Medical Journal that said that the NHS is experiencing a record number of problems with supply of medicines. And some of the reasons for those shortages are Brexit, no surprise there, and a government tax. And those are being blamed for the shortages. Apparently, there are 111 products, according to the British Generic Manufacturers Association, which are now facing supply problems. And that's the highest on record. It's more than double the number at the start of 2022. Half of them, 55, are branded generic drugs, which represent about 10% of prescription products in the UK. And they include things like hormone replacement therapies, contraceptives, antidepressants, and immunosuppressants. And according to the BMJ, Martin McKee, as a professor of European Public Health, the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, said that every country has been hit by supply chain disruptions due to COVID and geopolitics, but as with most other walks of life, Brexit has added to that problem. The rise of shortages of branded generic goods on the Government Voluntary Scheme for Branded Medicine Pricing, BPAS, which is an agreement between the Department of Health and Social Care in H.S. England and the Association of British Pharmaceutical Industry, aimed to limit the increase in spending on branded drugs no more than 2% a year through a system of rebates charged on companies' sales revenues. This is a very complex arrangement and two years ago the rate that companies paid was 5.1 percent but for 2023 the VPAS rate has gone up to 26.5 percent so it's a massive increase it's five times as much and the scheme covers medicines that are marketed with a brand name as well as off-patent branded generics. Generic Drugs operate on high volumes with very thin margins. And by adding tax on the revenue, it's increased, as I said, by five times as much inside two years. And the manufacturers have little option but to reduce or remove supplies of some of the products. Otherwise, they'll be making losses. So that's one of the reasons why we're witnessing these shortages of various items, various medicines in local pharmacies. Frictions, of course, caused by leaving the European Union have been cited in some cases of shortages and they'll have disrupted some supply chains. And you might recall that when we first left the European Union, there was a fall in the exchange rate. And that too has been blamed for some of the problems because with the drop in that sterling against European currencies, it meant that the prices that were being paid for goods too European businesses and elsewhere in the world were then too low to be attractive to the suppliers. So if you want to know why the shortages at your local pharmacy, that explains some of the factors that have caused it. Well, you sometimes wonder if uh, democracy is undermined by people selling high-ticket dinner prices to get a glimpse of some international leader that your government might have decided to bring over to Talk to businesses, and a seat at the table can be quite costly. Well, those are some of the complaints coming from the United States this week, as they attended a dinner to hear Xi Jinping, the president of China, speak. So, as we said earlier in the program, Xi Jinping was over to meet Joe Biden this week to discuss relations, and various things were on the table, as we said. Xi received a standing ovation when he entered the room, and two more before he went on stage to speak. China and the US, of course, need to work together, and it's very wrong to view China as a threat and play what many have called a zero-sum game, meaning that nobody can win, essentially. Xi said whatever stage of development it may reach China will never pursue hegemony or expansion and will never impose it on others. China doesn't seek spheres of influence and will not fight a cold war or a hot war with anyone. He was trying to put the view that it's about peaceful coexistence between China and the United States, and he said that won't change. This was at a high-security dinner in San Francisco. It was a chance for many of the companies attending to hear directly from China's leader and how China's economic slowdown is playing out as the US wants to de-risk some American supply chains away from China to make supply chains more resilient. There were executives from many of the United States corporate giants at the dinner, including Apple with Tim Cook there, Lawrence Fink from BlackRock, Hock from Broadcom, Ray Dalio from Bridgewater Associates, and Albert Bula from Pfizer. And Z also met with Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk. Of course, Tesla are big players in the car industry, in the EV market and have production facilities in China. Do a lot of business there. And of course, Z was trying to encourage more business to be placed in China at the same time. Reuters report that the dinner comprised of courses that included coffee-crushed Black Angus flat iron steak, a vegetable curry with squash and rice, and there were about 400 people attending. And that included government officials and academics too. Z spoke directly to the American people. I'd like to let you know, he said, that China sympathises deeply with the American people, especially the young for the sufferings that fentanyl has inflicted upon them. President Biden and Xi earlier reached agreement on working together to curb fentanyl production. For those of you that don't know, fentanyl is a potent synthetic opioid drug which is used as analgesic fentanyl and is 50 times to 100 times more potent than morphine. Its primary use is as a pain management relief, but of course it is taken for other reasons. In a 10-year period, prescription opioid deaths remain stable, while synthetic opioid deaths each year increased from 2,600 to 70,601 by 2021. And it's taken over from heroin as the narcotic of choice. So, what can we take away from the meeting between President Joe Biden and Xi Ping in San Francisco? Well, there are a few things we can reflect upon. It has to be good for economic growth. And, of course, both parties probably got the majority of points across that they wanted to make. In the United States case, it was about military factors, the eradication of fentanyl, and, of course, about chip manufacture, and, of course, trying to push down the problems in the South China Sea with Taiwan, which has raised its head in the past year or so. So it's about a smoother way of working and a smarter way of working with each other rather than having a trade war. So perhaps it's about getting back to some prospect of growth for both countries in the trade that they do. Well, all in all, I think this was a very important meeting, and it's important because it gets things back on track to have a smoother bilateral trade arrangement between the United States and China. And that has to be good for both countries, but also for the world economy and for security. Well, it might have escaped you that Black Friday is with us again, and that usually marks the period of peak demand as we approach Christmas. And it seems to have gone by rather low key this year. And I think that's to do with lots of things in relation to the cost of living crisis and the fact that consumers have had more pressing demands to spend their disposable income on, such as energy costs, food, and just basic living costs. So I think there's less disposable income for many families at this time of year. And perhaps Black Friday will not be as big a deal as it has been in the past. And I also think there's a bit of fatigue from the notion of Black Friday. It's a discount, supposedly, with deals for goods. But most of those deals, or a lot of those deals, have actually sold at cheaper prices at other times of the year. So the hoodwinking of consumers, perhaps, isn't as effective as in the past. And I think many people are just hoping to get to Christmas with the finances intact. And so I don't expect the strain on supply chains to be the same as in the past, when Black Friday events occurred. But we'll only know afterwards, won't we? The term Black Friday, of course, comes from the United States, and it was a period when the Thanksgiving weekend began, and lots of people entered the big cities to go and do some shopping. And it was a period noted by authorities and other people that said it was a period of chaos when there was lots of shopping, lots of people in the city, resources stretched, lots of theft, and uh, lots of shoplifting went on, apparently. But of course, it's come to signify the day on which retailers get into the black. So they're out the red and in the black. It means the day at which they can sit back and say, "Okay, all these years' efforts are now come to fruition And we can get into the black. In other words, into profit. It's e commerce retailers that take the lion's share these days when it comes to Black Friday. And the big companies like Amazon can sell a substantial part of the inventory during the Black Friday period. But even prices on Amazon are not as keen as they have been in the past. But that doesn't mean to say you won't get a bargain. If you're careful enough and you've done your research and you've been looking at the products that you're going to buy, you'll have a pretty good idea whether you're getting a good deal or not. And there are some good deals to be had. you just got to make sure you get the good deals and not the inventory that they've had around for a long time. The experienced savvy shopper knows it's a game of cat and mouse, but so do the retailers. And sometimes they have inventory that they want to get rid of and they'll discount it, but they may not discount it as much as they should do. And so they can get extra profit because of the attitude towards Black Friday sales being favourable. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the episode, hope you found out something new, and I hope you're keeping on top of what's happening in your supply chains to get that supply chain advantage. If there are any episodes you've missed or you want to catch up on, drop by the website and pick those up. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage.